It's Wednesday, October the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump calls off stimulus talks and Russia marks record infections. First, the world in brief. American share prices fell after President Donald Trump said he was ending negotiations with congressional Democrats over a stimulus package intended to help tackle the effects of the pandemic, at least until after the election on November 3rd. The president, who is being treated for COVID-19, blamed Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat Speaker of the House, for the failure to strike a deal. In a series of tweets, he said he wanted the Republican-controlled Senate to focus on confirming his Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. Russia recorded its highest daily number of coronavirus infections, 11,615, since May 11th. The country's approach to the pandemic has been unorthodox. It approved a vaccine before large-scale trials to prove its efficacy in humans. Only high-risk groups have received it so far. But a second vaccine has already been put on the fast track to approval. The opposition in Kyrgyzstan took power after the results of Sunday's election, ostensibly won by parties aligned with the president, Sarombe Jembekov, were annulled. During violent protests against alleged rigging, government buildings were stormed and a number of prisoners freed, including a former president, Amalsbek Atambayev, who had been jailed for corruption. Mr Jembekov accused his opponents of staging a coup. Thousands of Indonesians took to the streets across the country as part of a three-day strike, protesting against a new jobs law they say favours businesses over workers. The government says it is necessary to attract investment. The Indonesian stock market rose by 1.3% after its passage. In some cities, police used water cannons and tear gas to disperse demonstrators. Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, warned fellow foreign ministers from Japan, Australia and India of China's malign activity in the region at a diplomatic gathering in Tokyo. As Sino-American relations continue to deteriorate, America is seeking to use the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, Quad, to shore up alliances in what it now calls the Indo-Pacific. The European Court of Justice ruled Hungary's university law from 2017 illegal. The law forced the Central European University, founded by George Soros, a Hungarian-American philanthropist, to move his activities outside the country. Mr Soros has become a hate figure on the populist right. Viktor Orban, Hungary's Prime Minister, has claimed he wants to use immigration to destroy Hungarian culture. And America's trade deficit in August was $67.1 billion, the highest in 14 years. Exports rose by 2.2% in August compared with the previous month, but were outpaced by imports, which rose by 3.2%. Such figures are not ideal for Donald Trump so close to the election. He has repeatedly promised to reduce the deficit by renegotiating trade deals he called unfair. And now here's today's agenda. Second fiddles. The vice presidential debate. Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, running mates respectively of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, square off in Salt Lake City tonight for the only vice presidential debate. At Miss Harris's request, a plexiglass barrier will separate the pair, who will be 13 feet apart. The debate carries extra resonance. Not only are both the presidential candidates in their 70s, making their seconds unusually important, but Mr Trump and numerous allies have tested positive for COVID-19. Mr Pence will seek to reassure Republicans, after a week that began with stories about Mr Trump's paltry tax payments and ended with him hospitalised. 
Miss Harris plans to restrain her ordinarily slashing style, making fewer personal remarks about the president. Polls show that a contest between Miss Harris and Mr. Pence would be closer, 46 to 45 according to YouGov, than the one between Messrs. Trump and Biden. An average of recent polls showed the president trailing his challenger by around nine points. Copyright cats. SCOTUS hears Google v. Oracle. America's Supreme Court will hear a case today that could have a huge impact on the future of software. The plaintiff, Oracle, alleges that Google infringed its copyright when it re-implemented Java, a popular programming language that Oracle owns, more than 10 years ago. Google has warned that a ruling in Oracle's favour would limit competition and innovation in the software industry. Firms would no longer be able just to copy the interfaces that allow rival programs to work together, but would have to ask for permission and pay a fee, creating all kinds of headaches and introducing friction in the industry. Other big tech firms such as IBM and Microsoft tend to agree. Those two filed briefs in support of Alphabet, Google's parent company. Oracle's own history should make it realise that limited copying is good for innovation. It got its start by adopting SQL, a computer language to query databases developed by IBM. Supermassive Award The Nobel Prize in Physics This year's Nobel Prize in Physics has been awarded to Sir Roger Penrose, Reinhard Genzel and Andrea Ghez for their work on black holes. These monsters lurk in the mathematics of Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity. They are regions of space-time in which gravity pulls so intensely that nothing, not even light, can escape. Sir Roger won the first half of the prize for his devilishly difficult theoretical work in 1965, demonstrating how black holes form in the hearts of collapsing stars. The second half went to Dr Genzel and Dr Gez for their work tracking the motions of stars to reveal the presence of a supermassive black hole at the centre of the Milky Way, Earth's home galaxy. With one quarter of the 10 million Swedish kroner, $1.1 million prize, Dr. Gez becomes only the fourth woman to receive the physics award, but her discovery with Dr. Genzel is literally one of the biggest. Mask up or else. Italy's new COVID-19 rules. The Italian government is today due to confirm new measures to contain the spread of COVID-19. Like other European countries, Italy has seen contagion rise in recent weeks, although the level of infection is still relatively low. In the two weeks to October 6th, it was under a sixth of that in Spain. But after being hit so cruelly in the spring, Italy will not be taking any chances. A cabinet decree is expected to make masks obligatory outdoors, which is already required in some regions. Yet the government is reluctant to force bars and restaurants to close early. Vincenzo De Luca, the governor of the Campania region around Naples, imposed such an order after a steep rise in infections. Luigi Giumagistris, the mayor of Naples, accused him of impoverishing small business owners and handing them over to loan sharks. Don't worry, it might never happen. He throws third runway. Britain's cabinet first approved plans for a third runway at Heathrow, Europe's busiest airport, in 1946. More than seven decades and innumerable white papers, reports and commissions later, it remains unbuilt. In February, a court overturned the government's decision to allow construction to go ahead northwest of the current terminals, 
chiding it for failing to take into account Britain's commitments to cap pollution under the Paris Climate Agreement. Today Heathrow, whose chairman also chairs the Economist's Board of Directors, will launch an appeal. Supporters claim a third runway would create jobs for the future. Others, including IAG, the owner of British Airways, are sceptical about the cost and environmental impact. With Heathrow's passenger numbers down by two-thirds for January to August 2020 compared with 2019, and Gatwick Airport planning to build its own extra runway at one-thirtieth of the cost, Heathrow's grand project may now be unnecessary. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Niels Bohr, who was born on this day in 1885. Some subjects are so serious that one can only joke about them. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.